All right, let's turn our Bibles, please, to the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs, chapter 1. We began our series this last Sunday in the book of Proverbs. We looked at the subject, the purpose of the book of Proverbs. Today, we'd like to consider three types of people in the book of Proverbs. So again, I'm going to read the first four verses of chapter 1. Proverbs chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, and judgment, and equity, to give subtlety to the simple, to the young man, knowledge and discretion. Just a brief review. We mentioned last week the word proverb means to be like or to be compared with. A proverb, then, is a statement that makes a comparison or summarizes a common experience. And you'll find this book is chock full of statements concerning the experiences of life. The author of this book is Solomon. However, chapter 30 is attributed to Agar, chapter 31 to King Lemuel. There are different views on those individuals because nothing is known of them. Some believe these were two names that Solomon used sometimes rather than using his own name. So they believe those two chapters were written by him as well. Others believe these two chapters were discovered along with Solomon's Proverbs under the reign of King Hezekiah when Hezekiah's men were going through the temple. Whichever it is, we don't know. However, we do note that Solomon is the author of at least 29 of these chapters, which cover a period of about 85 years. The theme of this book is the wisdom of God, and the key verse is Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. And the content of this book is relevant for us today because it addresses many things that you and I face and experience on a regular basis. Well, as we said last Sunday, we looked at the purpose for this book. Today, we're going to consider the people mentioned in this book. There are several types of individuals referred to in Proverbs repeatedly. Now, the two most obvious, of course, are the wise and the foolish. The word wise and the word wisdom are found 481 times in the Bible and 120 times in this book alone. That means 25% of the time you see the, the word wise or wisdom, it's found in this book. And then on the other hand, the foolish. The word fool or foolish are found 118 times in Scripture with 50 occurrences in this book. That means 42% of the time you see those two words in the Bible, they're in this book. So again, Proverbs deals a great deal with the contrast between the wise and the foolish. We're not going to consider those two types of individuals today. We're going to look at three other types of people who fall between those two extremes and are identified by Solomon. You have the simple, the sluggard, and the scorner. Now, none of these three are in the category of the wise, but all three of them can be in the category of the fool. These three character uh, traits are evident in our culture and society today. Whatever area you look at, education, science, social interests, politics, 
or religion, each character trait is at work, and I believe it's wise for us as Christians to recognize them and when necessary to withstand or oppose them at the appropriate time. Before we go any further, I want to go ahead and point out something that uh, uh, in the book of Proverbs. And again, the contrast that we see, sometimes a little confusing. Proverbs, turn to Proverbs 26, if you would. Just briefly, we'll come right back to chapter 1. Proverbs chapter 26. Notice verses 4 and 5. You see, the book of Proverbs helps us to accomplish everyday tasks. And one way in which it does so is it teaches us when to be silent and when to speak, when to bite our tongue and when to let others know what we're thinking. Notice Proverbs 26, verses 4 and 5. Answer not a fool according to his folly, lest thou also be like unto him. And verse 5 Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own conceit. Well, people point to that and say, well, there you go, it's a contradiction. The Bible's full of contradictions, errors, mistakes. No, not so. These two verses do not contradict themselves, but rather they complement each other. Their point is that one should not be drawn down to a fool's level. That's in verse 4. Answer not a fool according to his folly. Don't get in a long, drawn-out argument with someone who's a fool. Don't lower yourself to their level and start acting like them and going on. This is one reason I believe it is a waste of time for people to get into battles online, in chat rooms or on Facebook and things like that. You just have people who sound very nonsensical going back and forth. Christians need to avoid that kind of interaction. However, verse 5 Answer a fool according to his folly. That means a fool's language is such that he must be refuted. Wisdom is needed to determine when to apply verse 4 and when to apply verse 5. The Jewish Talmud suggests verse 4 pertains to foolish comments that can be ignored. Verse 5 refers to erroneous comments that must be corrected. You can talk with someone out on the street after a few minutes and tell they're a fool. You don't waste your time talking to them. But when a person gets in a position of authority, a position of prominence, when they're running for the office of the President of the United States or for the position of a governor or mayor, and they start speaking like a fool, then they need to be confronted, they need to be corrected because they are leading people astray. So understand, one, the fool is just impacting himself in verse 4. In verse 5, he's impacting others. So the first one you ignore, the second one you correct. Well, Proverbs, all through the book, enables us to identify and avoid the characteristics of these folks and to know how to correctly respond to them. So we're just going to briefly look at these three persons, and we start with the simple. Back to Proverbs chapter 1, verse 4. The Bible says to give subtlety to the simple, to the young man, knowledge and discretion. So here we see the simple. This is the person who lacks wisdom. The simple refers to a person who's ignorant and untaught. He or she is not, understand, this is not, this is not an insulting word. He or she is not an imbecile, 
They're not one who cannot comprehend, nor is this a fool who despises wisdom. No. Instead, you see the word simple as used in Proverbs. It's referring to someone whose exposure to life has been limited. Because of their inexperience, they tend to be gullible and easily influenced or led astray. Therefore, they need to be instructed. Look back up at verse 3. That's exactly what the scripture says. To receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, and judgment, and equity. You see, the basic idea of simple, which by the way appears 14 times in the book of Proverbs, is to be easily influenced, seducible, or silly. It can refer to a child, to a person who is childlike, someone who is mentally deficient. It can refer to a person who is untrained or uninformed or someone lacking in knowledge on a given subject matter. Just because we lack knowledge isn't an indication that we're stupid. It's just an indication we haven't taken the time to learn something about that particular area. You know, people have their strengths. People have their their areas where they're quite knowledgeable and in many other areas, not so much. This is why God says in Proverbs 1.22, How long, ye simple ones, will ye love simplicity? And then in chapter 7, verse 7, he refers to a young man who is void of understanding. And in 14.15, he says, The simple believeth every word. The idea of the simple are easily drawn in. It is a childlike characteristic that has a tendency to quickly or easily or readily follow others. You know, we as Christians, we ought to be simple when it comes to the subject of sin. But we ought to be quite knowledgeable when it comes to the matter of truth and the Word of God. Romans chapter 16 verse 18 tells us, For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, and by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. It is the intent of evil people out there to to deceive and to mislead and to uh, take astray many people who will follow them and believe them who are gullible enough to buy into what they're saying. Whether it's politics, whether it's finances, whether it's religion, there are a lot of folks out there who are just blindly going to follow somebody because they sound good, because they look good, because they're convincing, they have a magnetic personality. Be careful. We need to be able to identify those folks and avoid them. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. We're not going to take time to read all this, but it tells us, In the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, affection, without natural affection, truth breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of them that are good. And then it goes on verse 7. Ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. The simple, they're not grasping the truth because they're not able to comprehend it. There's just something about them that's limiting their ability to see that. General Omar Bradley said, we have grasped the mystery of the Adam and rejected the Sermon on the Mount. 
The world has achieved brilliance without conscience. Ours is a world of nuclear giants and ethical infants. The simple, simpler, easily led astray. D.L. Moody said, young men pretend that it is necessary to see both sides of life. He said, what foolishness. I'm not called upon to put my hand in the fire to see if it will burn. You see, the simple are easily drawn to sin because they're gullible. They're easily led astray. Proverbs chapter 6. Turn over there if you would. Proverbs chapter 6, verses 6 through 11. God gives instruction to the sluggard. The simple lack wisdom. The sluggard avoid wisdom. Notice Proverbs 6, 6. Go to the ant, thou sluggard, consider her ways and be wise. Having no guide, overseer or ruler, provideth her meat in the summer and gathereth her food in the harvest. How long wilt thou sleep, O sluggard? When wilt thou arise out of thy sleep? Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. So shall thy poverty come as one that traveleth, and thy want as an armed man. This word sluggard appears only in the book of Proverbs, and it's used six times. It means sluggish or stupid. See, remember we said the simple, that's not someone who's stupid. That's someone who just does not know. The sluggard, however, that's someone who chooses not to know. The New Testament counterpart for this particular word is moras, the Greek word moras. We find it a number of times. For example, in Matthew chapter 7, verse 26, Jesus said, Everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. That word foolish, moras, it's what we get our word moron from. Sluggard. It's identified as one who's stupid, one who avoids wisdom, one who chooses not to know or to not learn. The word sluggard refers to an undisciplined person who has the ability to obtain knowledge but chooses not to do so. Do we not see that all around us today? People who are intelligent but choose to close their minds and heart to the truth, to the truth of the Word of God, to the truth concerning uh, social events, to the truth that's what's going on in the world today, to the truth of their eternal destiny. People today are choosing to close their eyes and not learn what God wants us to learn. They have the opportunity to benefit from wisdom, but fail to do so. Three characteristics we see about the sluggard briefly. In fact, these are the other occurrences of the word sluggard in the book of Proverbs. The sluggard does not lead appropriately. Proverbs 13.4, the soul of the sluggard desireth and hath nothing. Sluggard not only doesn't lead appropriately, they cannot represent truth accurately. Proverbs 10 and 26, as vinegar to the teeth and as smoke to the eyes, so is the sluggard to them that send him. They fail in representing the truth. Proverbs 26, verse 16, the sluggard is wiser in his own conceit than seven men that can render a reason. It's hard to convince somebody as to the truth of a matter when they close their mind to that truth. And the sluggard will not work acceptably. 
Proverbs 20, verse 4, the sluggard will not plow by reason of the cold. Therefore shall he beg and have nothing. How sad to hear our news media constantly throwing out unemployment figures, all the millions of people in the country that are unemployed, and then to hear of businesses, business owners, companies, shops and stores. They can't find people that are willing to work for them and to be an employee. How is it people are willing to sit back and do nothing and satisfied with the government giving them a handout and they're not willing to work and earn a living for themselves and yet they turn around and blame everybody else for their sorrows and for their difficulties. I saw a little meme on the internet a while ago and it said something to the effect that you notice how people are so excited when they get their stimulus check? Imagine how excited they'd be if they actually had a job and got paid every week. Again, the sluggard, the sluggard chooses to be in their condition. They avoid wisdom. It's not that they can't understand. It's that they choose not to. Thomas Edison, three different quotes by Thomas Edison. There's no substitute for hard work. Again, he said, opportunity is missed by most people because it is dressed in overalls and looks like work. And then third, genius is 1% inspiration and 99% perspiration. A sluggard. You have the simple who lack wisdom, the sluggard who avoids wisdom, and then you have the scoffer. Look at Proverbs chapter 13, verse 1. Proverbs 13, verse 1, we note the scorner. The scorner rejects wisdom. Proverbs 13, 1, A wise son heareth his father's instruction, but a scorner heareth not rebuke. What an amazing statement. A scorner heareth not rebuke. They refuse to be corrected when wrong. They refuse to listen to reason. They reject all which is good and honorable and holy. The word scorn, it's found 10 times in the book of Proverbs. It means to talk arrogantly, to mock, or to be inflated. It is a dislike which turns to contempt and includes a sense of superiority and resentment. It's been said the scorner is a frivolous person who scoffs at the most sacred precepts and duties of religion, piety, and morality. The scorners in a bad way. They stand in opposition to God, to Christianity, to the church, to the Bible, and the truth be told, they stand in opposition to their own soul. Proverbs 14, verse 6 tells us, A scorner seeketh wisdom and findeth it not. Proverbs fifteen twelve. A scorner loveth not one that reproveth him, neither will he go unto the wise. There's something about truth that just troubles them so much. They don't want to be anywhere near it. Of course, we, we jokingly use the phrase, don't bother me with the facts, I've already made up my mind. We say that in a semi-humorous manner, but how sad that so many people have that very mindset. They're not interested in the facts. They want to ignore 
what's going on around us. They want to eliminate history and just push forward in their own thinking. Proverbs says of them, proud and haughty scorner is his name, who dealeth in proud wrath. What's the solution? Proverbs 22.10, cast out the scorner and contention shall go out. Yea, strife and reproach shall cease. Though unpopular, the biblical way to deal with a scorner is not to placate them, to support them, to encourage them, to join with them, to promote them, nor is it to ignore them. Rather, we're to have nothing to do with them. We are to expose them. We are to resist them. Someone has said a rebellious, scorning child left unchecked will become a rebellious, scorning teenager. And a rebellious, scorning teacher left unchecked will become a rebellious, scorning adult. That's what we see as cities across our country are being burned by the scorner. This fact is evident by the rampant violence and mayhem which is occurring throughout our nation. And whether they go by the name Black Lives Matter, Antifa, postmodernists, progressives, leftists, Marxists, feminists, cancel culture, or LGBTQ, they are all members of the Scorners Club whose goal is evil and whose end is destruction. And yes, I realize that's not a popular statement and I'm lumping them all in together. But anybody who stands in opposition to God is in this category. The only time the word scorner is used outside of the book of Proverbs is found in Isaiah 29.20. Note what God says, For the terrible one is brought to naught, and the scorner is consumed, and all that watch for iniquity are cut off. As Isaiah warned the people of God about the impending judgment and the coming chastisement of the Lord at the hand of the Babylonians and how they knew they weren't right with God, yet they refused to turn back to the Lord. They chose to reject the preaching of Isaiah and Ezekiel and others and said, no, we're going to do what we want. As a result, God dealt with them appropriately. Beloved, that's the same state the scorner finds him or herself in today. In fact, Psalm 2 indicates God deals with his opponents in a very clear and definite way. Psalm 2 verse 1, Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. Then shall he speak unto them in his wrath and vex them in his sore displeasure. Yea, I have set my king upon my holy hill, Zion. Understand, as disconcerting as it is to hear what's going on in our country on a daily basis and to see the condition of the world and the state of politics today, we we can easily be discouraged. But we need to be reminded, God is still on the throne in heaven. He's still in control. He's still allowing things to work according to His plan and His purpose for this world. And we need to be encouraged in understanding God will work 
all things according to his will. Mankind is evil. The scorner is one who stands in opposition to that which is good. Consider the words of Adolf Hitler. Confusion, indecision, and fear. These are my weapons. And we see those weapons unleashed on the peoples of our country every day by the scorner. Walter Williams stated, an act that is inherently evil does not become moral simply because there's a majority consensus. Oh, how true. That means Google, Facebook, Amazon, Apple, Netflix, Yahoo, the New York Times, the Washington Post, the LA Times, ABC, CBS, NBC, MSNBC, CNN, ESPN, George Soros, Nancy Pelosi, Kamala Harris, OAC, Greta Thunberg, Barack Obama, Bill and Hillary Clinton, the NEA, Planned Parenthood, Andrew Cuomo, and every other idiot governor and mayor who allowed people to burn their cities, and any other anti-God organization. And by the way, I would include Major League Baseball, the National Basketball Association, the National Hockey League, and uh, NASCAR. What's another one? Soccer. The NFL. Just because all of these combined together that their voices can be heard and they can control the media and they can control the input coming into our homes through television, radio, or internet. They are powerless against God and His truth will prevail. Our pastor, Dr. Crumpton, a number of years ago used to say, a lie can run halfway around the world before truth gets out of bed. But when truth puts on its boots and marches in, all lies are silenced. There's coming a day. We don't know when it will be, but we are assured in Scripture, it is soon when the Lord will make himself known to the nations of the world. Thank God he's going to rapture us out I believe that day is coming, coming so soon. And we won't have to endure God's judgment on the nations. But the scorner during that time will find out he or she had made some very very bad decisions in regard to denouncing, denying, discrediting, and rejecting the Lord. Mark it down. More times than not, the majority is wrong. And we needn't be fearful. We needn't be fearful even if the election goes completely left in November. We need to do right and trust the Lord and look for that blessed hope, the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. The simple are ignorant and they lack wisdom. The sluggard are idle and they avoid wisdom. The scorner is inflexible and rejects wisdom. Two very important matters to keep in mind when encountering one of these types of individuals. Number one, God's going to deal with them according to his word. Jeremiah 17, 10. I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. Second thing to keep in mind, we're responsible 
before the Lord to reach these people with the gospel. Now I confess, sometimes listening to the news, I think, Lord, send down fire from heaven and put an end to this. But we need to follow the admonition of our Lord, whose voice cried out from Calvary's hill, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. With some, we have to, <laughs> have to take Jude's advice. And of some having compassion, making a difference. There are many out there, the only way we can stomach trying to reach them for the Lord is through a heart of compassion. There's nothing about them we like, appreciate, or would encourage. But they need the Lord. Remember, Jesus said, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. I close with this quote. Our contempt for others must be replaced with compassion. We do not condone their sin, but we do care for their souls. How we need to be alert, aware of, and weary of the simple, the sluggard, and the scorner. But recognize they as well are those for whom the Lord Jesus Christ died. So with all that's going on around us, let's look to him and ask him for the strength, the grace, the guidance, and the direction we need to be a good and faithful witness for the Lord Jesus Christ, that we might be ambassadors of heaven and messengers of hope.